Hello, thanks for clicking and downloading the latest episode of Uncharted Territory. I'm Corey Olson. This is episode three that we have released. Originally, the topic for this episode, the review of the original Champions of the Galaxy set 2087, was intended to be episode two. We did two takes recording episode two, but the audio just wasn't good enough to share with you guys. And we kind of got tired of trying to record the 2087 topic. So our, our real episode two was the review of the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame Legends set. But we did get it right this time. We're going to review the entire roster of 2087, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for your patience in getting this episode out, and enjoy Uncharted Territory. Welcome back to the Uncharted Territory podcast. Uh, this is episode three. We're recording this on Tuesday, November 17th. Uh, we've been trying to do the specific topic for this episode a few times now, so hopefully third time's the charm and we'll get it right tonight. Um, before we get into our kind of our main events and our main topics today, a couple of news and notes things here. Uh, in the last couple of weeks since our last podcast, we've had a couple more names announced for the Legends of Wrestling Six Color Expansion Set. Uh, we had Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. announced two weeks ago, and this past week a new name to the Legends of Wrestling, and that's the Golden Boy Adrian Adonis. Uh, seems like from checking the discussion boards, people are excited about both, especially Adonis with being a new name. Uh, LOW team, any thoughts on, on either one of these announcements? I'm loving Golden Boy Adonis. That was just as soon as he was, or as soon as we decided we were going to put him in the set, I just thought that was a great addition. Love that character. Uh, I know that a lot of promoters would want to see Adorable too, and I'm sure we'll get that down the road. But I think it's just a strong pick. He uh, he brings a lot to the set and is is fun in a number of different capacities, singles or tag. I think he's going to be a great addition. I like I like Adonis as well. I like Orton too. They're I think they're both versatile guys that can fit in with a lot of other people uh, that are they're already in the sets. And you know you could as a makeshift team or as you know, tag team partners already existing. I think they're fantastic. Um, obviously, you know, with Adonis, it's, it's great to have another Buffalo guy in there. Uh, so I'm happy about that. And, uh, um, you know, I was one of the ones that really, when, when the, uh, talk went around about, do we do it as adorable Adrian or golden boy Adrian, I was pretty much adamantly, uh, in the camp of, of doing, uh, uh, golden boy Adrian Adonis, um, I just think it's a, it's a better gimmick. It, it, it's more versatile. I think you're kind of limited uh, with, with adorable Adrian as to things you can do. Um, but Orton's a great add too. I think the art works good on both. And um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy to have both of these guys uh, out, out in color now. Yeah. Just to say, before I go to Chad, um, you know, I think promoters are going to enjoy the Bob Orton card. If they received the promoter prime card we did from a few years ago, it's kind of a, um, you know, based off of that one a little bit with definitely some, some upgrades and, or at least updates to the move set. But uh, I think fans of the ACE Bob Orton uh, timeframe will be happy with this card. Um, Chad, uh, talk about Adrian Adonis and how we got him into the game. So on a Facebook, Book group I'm on. Um, I think it was Slick Mix um, Facebook group. Mick Karch, the former AWA announcer, he um, when when a, a worker or someone involved with wrestling or a relative joins his group, he always says, "Let's welcome so and so," and he's like, "Let's welcome Angie, 
you know, leave her last name out, uh, daughter of Adrian Adonis. And I'm like, hmm. So I didn't immediately, I, I waited two days and then I sent her a message and just said, hey, you know, we have the, we have this game, I'm a volunteer. We would love to have your father involved, especially as we're doing kind of a, a set around, you know, 80s stars um, this December. And, you know, would you consider doing it? And she said, yes. And then she said, you know, would you do the, the leather biker gimmick or the adorable one? And I said, well, do you have a preference? And she really didn't. And I'm like, well, we'll probably, you know, do both of them eventually. Um, and, you know, it took a couple of days. She got back to me um, and uh, she had to access a printer and, uh, you know, she, but she sent it back a couple of days later and just very excited and, you know, like Tim, I was more on the, let's have the golden boy side. Um, I just think you can do a lot more with that. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to adorable, you know, sometime probably in, in 2021. And I think, yeah, what a versatile character he's gonna, you know, do well. He could certainly um, team up with Orton, even though they kind of teamed as, as adorable, you know, and ACE and both, kind of the WWF they had an alliance and then um I think Corey and Zeke had mentioned that they just recently discovered a, a tag match with them against Midnight Rockers and I remember that was a fantastic match I think it's from February of 88 um and it it's awesome so having a guy I mean having yeah having Adonis he's just a great utility guy you can put him in a lot of places and I think uh, people will be excited to have his card yeah, I'll put in a plug for that tag team match. Um, I used it actually in um, working on Orton's card for this set. Uh, and I, I knew Orton and Adana had worked the AWA. Uh, this is uh, early 88. They came in, I think, around late 87, if that sounds right, Chad. And um, this match, yeah, against the Midnight Rockers for the AWA tag team titles um, from North Dakota, I believe. <laughs> Um, just an awesome match, you know, uh, being a big AWA fan like Chad, you know, I've seen a lot of the more recent or the, the end of the AWA TV matches, the ESPN tapings and various things. This one I had not seen, uh, but it is on the WWE network. So if you have a few minutes, check it out. It's an awesome TV match. Um, just, just great all around a great, good showcase for both Adonis and Orton. Um, so kind of on the, on the topic there of signings, uh, Chad's had a really good week for Legends of Wrestling. Um, I'll, I'll let him uh, share what he wants to. I would just say the past couple of weeks um, have probably been the biggest in terms of maybe impact players, not in terms of numbers. You know, when we've gone to CAC, Tim and I have certainly brought back more signings and, you know, Zeke's had some incredible luck at various indie shows and i remember him and grant getting a lot of signings a few years ago and i think at a WrestleCon or wrestle reunion one of those type events um but for you know fans of uh fans of the tragos thez said i think you'll be excited by what's going to be happening here in the in the future and we'll just kind of leave it at that and for you uh uh, discussion board fans who like to read into things when he says impact players he's not talking about Lance Storm and Justin Credible Justin Credible's already in the game but we're not we didn't sign Lance Storm <laughs> no sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> you know somebody's gonna guess that <laughs> um, Stu anything to add without giving away too much 
I'm, I'm afraid I'd spill any kind of beans, course. I'm just going to play it safe and just say promoters are going to be very, very happy. Yeah. Tim, any, any cryptic comments? <laughs> no, I just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll echo everybody and, and just say that, uh, you know, we've got some very important people that, that, that uh, you know, we, we got some help along the way on this. And I, I think it's just fantastic. Some of the, some of the folks that we signed and some of the, the doors that have been opened here. Um, you know, in, 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 in going through with this. And I, I just think it's uh, been, been a great, uh, great few weeks. Yeah, I'll echo that. It's been amazing to get messages from Chad on whom he's signed and everything. And um, fans are going to be happy in the next year or so whenever, whenever these cards become available. Um, it's it's going to be great. So uh, we'll, we'll, now we'll talk about kind of what, what started this podcast and what brought the four of us together. Well, Chad and I were brothers, so that's what brought us together. But uh, for the rest of us, um, what, what unites us and unites most of our listeners is Phil Singer Games and specifically Champions of the Galaxy. Um, you know, we've all been longtime promoters of the game. And uh, we'll, we'll each take just a couple minutes here, kind of talk about our initial experience with Champions of the Galaxy, our background, you know, early champions, any other memories we have. Uh, Stu, why don't you get us started? Sure. I, I initially, and I've, I've discussed this with each of you guys before, uh, I initially, I always thought that wrestling would translate quite well to tabletop. And I somehow missed Superstar Pro Wrestling. I didn't, didn't I had heard of the game and I, for whatever reason, I didn't buy it. Never got into it for, for whatever reason, because I'm sure I would have. And ironically, I play it a little now in a PC version that has been released in the last few years. But I didn't buy it. I didn't buy the card version way back when. And, but, but I would still see ads for Champions of the Galaxy from time to time, the ads that we all saw in PWI. And finally decided to take the plunge. I mean, I was a late comer to it, certainly as compared to you guys. Uh, it was mid to late 90s uh, before I took the plunge and bought the game. And I had resisted it because I, I for whatever reason, and it's not because I don't like sci-fi, I do, but I, I wasn't liking the sci-fi angle on Champions of the Galaxy. I was really seeking just a more traditional wrestling game. But when I got the game, and certainly the 2087 edition, that game was so strong, and you'll hear Tim talk about it and each of us talk about it tonight in terms of archetypes of wrestlers, that it immediately resonated with me. I mean, these wrestlers were, while the game was set 100 years in the future, or thereabouts, uh, the wrestlers were very identifiable. And I, I took to it like a duck to water and played that first set and it was not long before I ordered everything Phil Singer Games had to offer and bought, bought everything that they had. Got all the sets in, and I played it faithfully, uh, canon style, for several editions. My first champs were Exo King. He was my first GWF heavyweight champion, defeated Star Warrior in a barn burner of a match. They had a great feud. Uh, culminating from that match. And my tag champions, I believe, were the Greek gods. A little shaky on that memory. I, I know Exo King was my GWF champion. But the Greek gods were my first, uh, well, I think, were my first tag team champions. And just had a blast with that set. Uh, I'm sure many promoters have a very special place in their heart for 2087. For me, the artwork by Chuck Carter 
still is my favorite artwork of all time of, of every set that was that was ever put out and uh, I, I love that set I, I play now or have played for a long time chrono style in which any wrestler that is in the Phil Singer Games timeline I use in my GWF but I come back to those characters again and again and again they are some of the, the strongest characters ever made in the game and just love that set and love those characters. Those are my early memories, sir. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Stu. Um, you said that you got started um, late about, what, what time was that? About mid-90s, mid late 90s? 97, 98, something like that. It's a little fuzzy in my memory. It was right around the time Austin and Rock were huge and uh, WWF still at that time was was really hot. I was still a WCW fan, but was really liking what was going on in WWF and wrestling was everywhere. And um, it just was an ideal time to take the plunge. I did it and the rest, as they say, is history. Very good. Uh, let's go to Tim. What are your early memories and, and thoughts? Well, I think I got the game uh, back in December of 1986. Uh, I'm an accountant, so that was kind of right before tax season, so I really doubt that I played it a lot. I don't really have a lot of recollection of when I, I started playing uh, heavily, but I'm sure it wasn't until after April 15th of 87. But I had the game in, in December of 86, and uh, I, I really liked it right off the bat. I didn't really set up a FED. I used to have a notebook where I would just do one-off matches and just keep track of who beat who. I, I, I have no idea where that went to. That's been lost to the mists of time. And uh, I think after a while, I, I just said, you know, I got to start doing a, a FED with this and really get some structure and organization around it. And so that's when I started. And I just, I in, instead of doing a, tournaments or some kind of an event to crown champions. I just kind of anointed the champions from, uh, from day one. I figured it was an ongoing federation, so there should be champions already. And since Thantos had a belt on on the card, I, 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 uh, um, you know, I made him my champion. And uh, I believe my other champions, I think I had a secondary champion for Star Warrior the tag champions were, I believe, the gladiators, although they lost quickly to the Greek gods. And I think I might have had uh, like a cage champion or, or a uh, special matches champ or something like that for, for Kraken, uh, rhymes with Rockin'. Uh, but uh, that, that, that was kind of my, my initial champion uh, setup. And over the years, I... I played more, sometimes more, sometimes less. And it, uh, it, it wound up, uh, you know, being one of the, my favorite games of all time. I just think the, the, the play cycle is great. Uh, you know, the, 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 the actual mechanics of how you play and that you've got options in the game that it's up to you to really kind of make these choices. I think that really helps out a lot. It's not just a bunch of dice rolling to get to a result. Um, I know Stu was saying that he always thought that this would make it, you know, transition well to tabletop. I actually, when I was in college, tried to use a Stratomatic setup uh, and create a, a wrestling simulation and failed miserably. Uh, so 
um, it was kind of nice to see that, that that somebody came along and and, and figured it out. So, uh, but those are my uh, my early experiences with uh, with Champions of the Galaxy. Awesome, awesome, Tim. Thanks for sharing that. Next, we'll go to Chad. Of uh, the four of us, I believe Chad's been playing the longest, and he'll he'll talk more about that. But I think he's got a few months on Tim. Yeah, so I got the game in probably August or September of um, 1986. And I only know that because one of my friends the year before had ordered Superstar Pro for me for my birthday. And then the, the following year, they ordered Champions of the Galaxy, but I had already received mine. So then they had also purchased it. So they, they have two of the 500 first sets. Tim has one and I have one. So I can account for where four of them are. Uh, the rest, not sure. But I just remember opening it and Chuck Carter's artwork, it just it just threw out so much personality and um, really made these guys just establish them right away. And for, you know, of all the characters, I think they all just kind of jumped off the page. And I would argue in that first set, there really wasn't a stinker, even though some people, you know, kind of bemoan Beast Rider and I might talk about him and my love for him later. But um, I just I just thought it was amazing, and I did run tournaments. And Lord Nexus beat Thantos to become my initial Galaxian champion, and he actually won it in two straight falls. So kind of a dud finish after a, a fun tournament. And then the Greek gods were my initial tag champs, and they were just off the races. They they dominated everyone and held my belts for like over a year in real time. And I just really liked the game i was still playing superstar pro at the time so it's kind of alternating between the two and you know until that galaxian invasion newsletter came out it's like man you know it's a fun game i wish they'd follow up with it because i wasn't writing to tom like some people were and um you know didn't get tom's newsletter updates which we'll talk about in a few episodes and, and kind of review those so i was really just kind of isolated and playing the game by myself and not really knowing what you know what was becoming of it because you know by that time i'd already received a couple different editions of superstar pro and you know knew there was kind of continuity with that set so you know got it and and then once it, the invasion newsletter came out i just really dove into that and, and really enjoyed it awesome thanks for sharing um so uh, for me, I was aware of Champions for quite a few years, you know, mainly through Chad, seeing him get new sets in the mail, um, seeing the ads in, in PWI for new sets every so often. I can remember very vividly Spike ads, but I also remember Whiplash that for whatever reason, the Whiplash ad for uh, um, the War Games set just kind of sticks with me. Um, and I would play, you know, once in a while with him, um, whether part of his Fed's history or they were just isolated bouts. I remember always wanting to be Bishop, Bishop Hell so that I could start Hell. Uh, and again, I was just, you know, aware of the game. I uh, we, we traveled, we took family vacations to Galacticon uh, for the first three Galacticons. And I actually met Tim uh, when I was 11, uh, but went to watch some wrestling from Japan and uh, other stuff I'd never seen. But it was 94, August of 94, um, when Chad came back from that year's Galacticon. Uh, my parents and I were living in Ohio at the time, and Chad drove back and uh, stopped to spend a couple days with us, and he gave me my first sets, and it was the Classics 2079 and 2086 sets. And, uh, you know, I was aware of how the old or the original cards looked with the black and white art, 
and I was really impressed by this blue art. And I, I understood that this was a prequel to the original release set, the 2087, and didn't really know the story of the 2087 set, but I started with these two. And um, the way Tom wrote, he foreshadowed some of the things that would come from the original set. So I was kind of aware of things that would happen. So I started with those guys and a few kind of additional characters, um, Akuba the Ninja and, and some others. Um, and Chad helped me book my first tournament uh, for my first champion. We kind of set it up that hopefully Omega and Morpheus would be the top seeds and meet in the finals, but Omega got upset early. Morpheus made it all the way and wrestled Sin of Polarity. So Sin was my very first Galaxian champion. He had that strong plus three finisher, the knuckle sandwich. And uh, his, his reign wasn't very long. Eventually Omega beat him and then uh, was the top guy, had a 30-card reign at one point, who had traded the title a couple times with Morpheus. Uh, but I was able to do some of those storylines, um, Cosmos turning on Star Warrior and breaking the code. Um, I brought in a couple of the 2087 characters before bringing in the, the full set of characters. So I used Brood Massacre for a few months along with the Wolf 2086 card because they had that backstory of Wolf being part of the Gladiators. And so I had them as a, as a three-man team, uh, even, even putting Wolf in the tag team situation sometimes, kind of like a free bird rule. Uh, and then it just kind of built up to bringing in the, the 2087 guys and uh, getting to play some of those backstory lines um, before using the, the official card. So that was just a unique way of doing it. Um, uh, as I said, Sin was my first Galaxian champ. And Star Warrior and Cosmos, the Game Masters, were my first tag team champs, which was pretty cool given what would eventually happen with, with them splitting and feuding and becoming the top stars. Um, I did a heavy metal steel cage title as well. Uh, I believe Mighty Grogan was the first champ to hold that, which was kind of cool. Uh, and he, and he, was a, he was a beast in the cage. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And uh, I, I did an interplanetary title later on once I started getting more guys with the 2087 set. Lord Nexus was my first champ for that title. Um, but yeah, I played uh, GWF regularly um, from 94 until about 2005 is kind of when um, just didn't get as much time, unfortunately, to, to stick to it and really became focused on, on Legends and playing my Legends Fed SWA. Uh, but I've always, uh, since 94, had something going on with the, the Phil Singer games, uh, series of games. So, um, yeah, it's just been a big, a big part of my life. Corey, I'm loving the Mighty Grogan shout out. He just does <laughs> not get enough love. You know, that is such an underrated card. I mean, it's just, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. He, um, you know, being a, the, the cage champ, I kind of, this is 94, you know, UFC is kind of new. I almost pictured him as this like shoot fighter in the cage, um, you know, taking out the traditional brawlers and, and the, the guys you expect to be the good cage match wrestlers, uh, just using his power and his skills to, to beat him inside the cage. So I loved, uh, I loved my Eddie Grogan. He was a big part of those classics months for me. So I used him a lot too in, in my CWA, which is like my secondary fed. And he was pretty successful there too. Um, and that was kind of a, fmw style fed in terms of you know the main title was a special match title and but you had all these crazy different styles kind of how fmw initially started so yeah i, I loved grogan he was he was fantastic so coming soon promoters we're going to do a behind the music on mighty grogan <laughs> <laughs> definitely 
Oh, love it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So next, uh, we're going to discuss the original Champions of the Galaxy set. Uh, 2087, as it's become to be known, it's, it wasn't officially given a year in the, in the handbook, but um, just kind of over time, uh, the, the story was that that's, that's the year it was that was taking place. Um, and as Tim kind of mentioned with his Fed, uh, the book is written as if this is not a brand new Fed, but a, a Fed that's been in existence for many years. And uh, I, I always, I always love that there was a backstory to these characters uh, that that Tom included, even just in that first set. Um, for those, if you're for some reason not familiar with Champions of the Galaxy and listening to this podcast, um, this first set contained 24 characters. Um, and, and Tom evenly divided 12 heroes and 12 villains. And the LOW team here is going to kind of split up some of the, the teams and the allies and uh, discuss each of them. Uh, first of all, Tim's going to talk about uh, one of the top hero groups, and that's the FDF or the Federation Defense Fighters. So Tim, tell us about the FDF. Well, thanks, Corey. Yeah, they, uh, the FDF, the Federation Defense Fighters, were kind of like the, the headline uh, good guy group uh, in, in, in the first game edition had four people in the uh, in the group. It was Star Warrior, his father Omega, Commander Sam, Massive. As we talked about, there were a lot of these uh, great archetypes of, of professional wrestling involved in the game, and you you had four of them right here. Star Warrior was kind of your muscular, good-looking baby-faced. Omega was your Native American. Commander Sam was your patriotic, uh, you know, USA, USA kind of guy. And then Massif was your giant uh, of, of the group. Um, and so you, you really had four, four people right there that, that really kind of carved out uh, you know, a lot of the things you would see in professional wrestling of the day. Star Warrior really was the, the headline uh, uh, good guy. He, uh, he was given credit for bringing a lot of the, the, uh, the heroes together. His, uh, he you know, was really the, one of the top, probably the top good guy fighter, maybe along with Wolf. Um, had the Nova Launch finisher as a plus three, so it was very effective. His card was just all around solid. Omega, his father, kind of always reminded me of like an over the, slightly over the hill Jay Strongbow. Uh, as far as the, the Native American type, he was uh, a great fighter in the, the Federation's heyday, but was definitely past his prime and broken down. You could see he's got some, some scars, and he looks like he's seen a little better days based on his card. Uh, his statistics weren't very good. I always kind of hoped they'd be a little better, just so he could get one last run at glory. Uh, but un unfortunately, I, I don't think his, uh, his stats really... Uh, really bore that out. Commander Sam was the great, uh, you know, just looks kind of like Uncle Sam from those old patriotic war posters. Um, like the name moves after himself. So he had the Sam Slam and the Peacemaker Slingshot and the Sam's Atomic Drop, which was his finish. Uh, had a big feud with the space terrorist uh, of the, of the, uh, the bad guys in, in Comrade Terror. And uh, uh, the, the last Massif was, was uh, recruited by Star Warrior to the group. He was an Olympic power lifter. And I always liked it that he had some climbing gear on his card. 
uh, in the artwork, even though it was never really discussed in the in, in the handbook or anything as to what that was all about. But it just kind of gave a little a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, personality to the the character, I think. And he had kind of a confident smirk on his card. And uh, he was probably one of my fa two favorite good guys, along with Lord Nexus in the in the original set. Uh, he had the volcanic drop as a finisher, um, which was supposed to be an elbow smash or running elbow smash. I always kind of saw it as an elbow drop because I figured somebody that big dropping on you would be a real uh, a real big deal. Um, but I, I like Massif a lot. He actually, talking about our, our initial champion, Stantos had a great run for me as my initial Galaxian champion. And uh, after 40 cards, Massive was the guy that beat him. So, uh, but I just thought just a great, a great kind of a headline hero group, a lot of things going on, a lot of uh, great characters in there. And uh, just, a, just a good way to kind of start the, uh, the, the hero group for the, uh, the Federation. Thanks, Tim. Um, Chad, any additional thoughts on the FDF wrestlers? Um, I really like Commander Sam because at the time, you know, Sergeant Slaughter was very big in the AWA and um, really, really enjoyed him. Uh, Star Warrior, I liked. He kind of reminded me moveset wise of, of Ricky Steamboat and I was a big fan of him. And uh, yeah, Massive, I, I thought he was cool. I, you know, Omega, I, I kind of felt the same way as Tim is like you try to push him for a little bit of one last run you know what try, trying to get get it out of him and i think he might have beat like around the the second set brute was my galaxian champ and omega won it but then bishop held beat up omega and won the belt and probably blasted him with the hellfire so that turned out pretty good story wise you know to set up warrior going after bishop and i always had commander sam and omega team up as kind of the the legends or the you know the veteran team and then as i started pe reading people's results a lot of people went with sam and massive which made more sense because it would have been a hell of a lot better team so poor booking on my part i guess uh but no i i, I like the fdf you could tell right away they were kind of the premier group Stu, any thoughts on the end on the fdf love the fdf <clears throat> and of all those characters, I think Massive became my absolute favorite over time. Um, Massive to me, I don't know why I feel this way. I mean, it just harkens back to classic strong men of wrestling days gone by. To, to me, there was a little bit of Bruno in him. And for that reason, I kind of kind of liked old Massive and pushed him later on in the Fed. But it, there wasn't a bad, there's not a bad car or character in the entire set of 2087, but I thought the FDF was especially strong. And I, one of the reasons I got hooked on the game because each one of those was a great archetype of a wrestler. Yeah, for me, um, as I said, having done or having played with the classic sets first, you know, I'm coming off of playing with the strong Omega 2079 card and then the Star Warrior kind of rookie or youth card. And then I bring in the 2087 and it's just totally the reverse for the two family members. Um, Star Warrior for me, while he was always good win-loss record, looking back was only my Galaxian champ once, and that's with all his different cards. Um, I think he had a couple interplanetary reigns, 
but was kind of that star that didn't need the belt to be a star. Um, and uh, Massive had a, a short run with the Galaxian title um, not long after I brought him in. And for me, this was 1995. So it was kind of cool because Diesel was getting his push in the WWF as the new guy and the new champion is big, big giant guy. And here the big giant Massive wins my belt. And he didn't hold it very long, uh, lost it back to Thantos pretty quickly. But um, I just remember that about, about Massive. Um, our next hero group, Stu's going to discuss uh, one of the legends of the entire Filsinger Games line, and that's Wolf, as well as uh, the, uh, one of the classic tag teams, the Greek Gods. Take it away, Stu. Sure. Um, Wolf is, I, I, I think I've heard Tom say this, perhaps his favorite character, the character he's most intrigued with over the, over the years, and in fact, Wolf is still active in the GWF, in the official canon storyline of Champions of the Galaxy. Um, Wolf has always been an interesting character to me, uh, storyline-wise. I believe he comes in 2086, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. He's uh, an Animan, thereabouts, 85, 86. He's an Animan. He, he receives a cleansing, a gladiator cleansing, and that really... Uh, given his genetics already soups him up into quite the physical specimen and is probably one of the reasons he's lasted as long as he's lasted. He was the classic anti-hero. He's appealed to many, many promoters over the years. He certainly appealed to me. He's never been an absolute fave of mine, but I've always found him interesting and intriguing and have used him in many, many different storylines over the years. Uh, he He's another archetype in so much, I've said this before, I, to me, he reminded me to some degree of Roddy Piper in terms of being an anti-hero when, when Piper would pay, play the occasional face. But he, he's more of a Bruiser Brody type um, loner. Um, and like I said, just a classic anti-hero, but one who typically hears the cheers of the fans. And that Savage Face Claw finisher I've always imagined in my head, at least, when the matches I, I've had or going on on my tabletop gets an enormous pop whenever he goes to that particular finisher. Um, I, in fact, once had him tag with Bruiser Brody, but I, more on that later if we ever get to greatest slash worst storylines that we've come up with as promoters. There's a tease for you fans. Uh, the, uh, the Greek gods uh, were more of the, they were time travelers. They came from ancient Greece. Uh, they were more of the, not, total white bread face, uh, baby face wrestlers, but they were definitely classic baby face wrestlers. They were a great tag team, a very fun tag team. Like I said, they were my, my first tag team champions. Proteus was the more fun loving of the group. In fact, he, uh, be, or of the team, he befriended Wolf and that made an interesting pairing that you could use occasionally. Uh, I never, I, I never had them as tag champs, but I would pair them up from time to time and they were fun. Actagon was the more serious, more scientific wrestler of the two, and in fact had the Grecian sleeper grip. And as an ode to Actagon, I believe Jim Londos got the Grecian sleeper grip in the most recent Hall of Fame set. Entragos. Uh, Entragos. Yeah. Both of them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Got to have a There's a Greek tag. There's a trio for you, promoters. Put that team together. Um. The gods were a lot of fun. They feuded with the gladiators for me in a long feud. And uh, 
eventually I turned the, turned the gods heel as a matter of fact, and had a little fun with that too. Uh, and al allied them or aligned them with Thantos. So that was a, a lot of fun uh, in the early days of 2087. But the Greek gods will always have a special place in my heart. They were, uh, again, I've, as I said before, there wasn't a bad drawing in the entire set, but the artwork for the Greek gods always appealed to me quite a bit. And I, I thought that Chuck Carter really nailed that. A lot of fun. Great, great tag team. Tim, any thoughts on Wolf for the Greek gods? Yeah, I always liked, you know, I always like Wolf. Uh, good characterization. I, I kind of found him a little bit like Piper too, only because he, he seemed like he was a little bit smaller. Uh, so he wasn't one of these 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, type guys, but, but was a brawler and got things done. And the gods were just a great, just a great babyface tag team. You had a couple different personalities that, that just seemed to really, really blend together well with the technician of Aftagon, more the brawling style of Proteus. Uh, but together they, they formed a great unit and, and they had a lot of success, although didn't hold a lot of titles for me. Uh, but, but we're a very successful team as far as uh, wins and losses. And we're always uh, kind of a, a, car, a, a team near the top of the card. Ed, I know you're a big fan of the Greek gods. Uh, what do you have to say about these, these three heroes? I love the Greek gods. Like I said, they were my initial tag champs and they probably held the belts, I don't know, 10 or 12 times for me because they were always in the mix, you know, and they might drop the straps, but sometimes there were some... Oh, Ric Flair, Harley Race, New Zealand type title reigns in there and they'd win him back in the next, you know, title defense or so. And uh, after Proteus left, and then when Classics 3000 came out, that Actagon card, I used that in my, again, in my secondary fed, the CWA is, you know, uh, kind of a shooter type guy and, and really enjoyed it. Wolf, you know, I don't want to commit heresy, but he, I, he was fine. I mean, didn't really do much for me. Um, I mean, you know, he was, he was okay. I, I'm not, I'm not the world's biggest wolf fan. I, I certainly don't have my blue wolf shirt, like Jim Steele and, and run around with that. No, that's a shout out to Jim Steele and his enthusiasm for wolf. Uh, but you know, there, you can, you know, I could tell, I mean, obviously it's a character. Everybody loves, he's still in the game. So people like him. I'm just, I'm kind of lukewarm on him. And that's and that's all right. Uh, you know, for me, Wolf, I um, enjoyed him, and he actually did better overall. You know, multiple Galaxian title reigns for me. I think six or seven over several years, and you know, different different sets. The Greek gods uh, had a good start for me when they first came in. Uh, won the belts from uh, the Gladiators, whom we'll talk about in a little bit, and you know, had a couple of reigns in the first year or two. And then as I was looking through some of my history and results, kind of had a couple of years where they weren't really, you know, champions or contenders. I'm still around and still piling up a good record. But in that time frame um, uh, of around 2096, 2098, when Tom had them leave and then come back for one more year, sort of a retirement tour before going back to Greece. Uh, I really, if you want to say, pushed them and, and uh, they... They had a good last year there. I did kind of a retirement tour with them, uh, matched them up against some of the newer teams at the time. Um, and they retired as, as my champ. So they got to, got to go out on top. 
uh, always enjoyed doing that storyline with them. Uh, our next set of heroes, Chad's going to discuss first, and they're, made for a lot of promoters, kind of a polarizing team. Uh, he's going to talk about the Space Crappers. I did love the Space Crappers, too, even though Beast Rider gets a little maligned sometimes. Um, I thought I thought they were fun. I liked that Beast Rider had the Bulldog ride as a finisher. I always liked that move. Renegade was kind of this crazy dude and out of control. Um, and I thought, you know, I thought they made a good team. Uh, Corey's going to talk about the Flying Titans next, but I'm going to steal a little thunder. You know, um, Tom had put in the handbook that Pulsar and Beast Rider teamed up as a as a side team sometimes. And I'm thinking, well, Renegade and Pit Viper would make a good secondary team as well because they're both kind of out of control, crazy brawlers. And I think my secondary team of Viper and Renegade had a little more success than beast rider and pulsar uh just looking at the cards probably not too hard to figure that out but yeah i, I enjoyed him um you know tom has kind of said well he didn't really care for the the drawing as much you know i don't know if it was kind of a last minute one but there's that creature in there but i i like these guys they're they were fun you know not everybody can be the main eventers i think having a entertaining mid card is you know kind of an accomplishment too so i did enjoy the space croppers and their feud against vanity and queen was always awesome for me i those were great matches yeah i agree for for an undercard team or in the individual wrestlers they had some great bouts Stu, what are your memories of the space croppers i always liked the space croppers i think they actually did which begs the question was it legit or not i think they actually did win my tag team championship but uh Renegade, interestingly enough, became one of my all-time favorite heels in his next iteration, which was Cannibal. Always loved Cannibal. But Beast Rider uh, loved the artwork and was immediately taken by that particular artwork. And I, I always featured the Space Croppers prominently on the card, sometimes upper mid-card. And again, I gave them a, or I give them, a, I guess they earned a tag team championship eventually just a fun team Tim, what are your thoughts about beast rider and renegade one thing i i, I guess i always remember I, I wasn't you know i wasn't the biggest beast rider fan but but I, I i didn't hate the guy either you know uh i i thought renegade was one of the cooler kind of guys is kind of a wild uh brawling good guy uh similar to to the wolf he had the coolest tights in the game uh so that 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 was nice he had those uh like lightning bolt uh, tights, uh going uh from the drawing i found it kind of odd you know when i flipped over the card and saw it was a plus one power i said geez he looks like a pretty strong guy based on the uh the drawing uh but i thought i thought they were fun they were uh they were a good team i i thought uh you know, it was nice having, having Beast Rider actually on the card riding out on one of his, you know, one of the, the zoo creatures there. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting premise of having this guy that, that kind of uh, did these wacky things and had this kind of theatrics about the, the moles and all that involved. So I liked them. I thought they were a good undercard team. They had some big upsets for me. I like the fact that that you had Beast Rider would occasionally team with Pulsar, and and uh, you know there was some cross pollination there with the uh, with the tag teams. I thought that was a lot of fun too. That 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 you could 
you, you could match up some of these guys um, outside the group that they were kind of thrown into, um, you know, and have, have some uh, uh, variety there. Yeah, uh, I too was a, a fan of the Space Croppers. Um, having played the classic sets, uh, I liked the original or the the prequel version with uh, Renegade and Natural Man Vanity as the Space Croppers. Um, I was a big mark for the Dark Star creature, and uh, uh, so when Beast Rider came in, you know, I, I kind of always said he was there with Dark Star creature to lead him to the ring, even before I used the twenty eighty seven card. But uh, I just liked liked having him there and. Um, the drawing, I just, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call it my favorite drawing of the set, but I, I just like the unique design of it with, again, with him on this creature, um, just something to set him apart from the other, the other 23 wrestlers, uh, Renegade talking about artwork. I loved, and whether this was coincidence or not, but the Renegade's pose, it kind of looks like he's doing a chin lock and, um, he's holding his hands together and his finisher was the spine cracker, which was a, a camel clutch. So it was almost like he was holding on his hands in that camel clutch chin lock position and kind of threatening his opponents. Uh, so I was just, whether that was planned or not between Tom and Chuck, I don't know, but uh, it, it worked out. It was just a cool, cool drawing. And they, they had some upsets for me. Um, they had a short reign as, as Galaxian tag champs. I think they even beat Brute Massacre, uh, which was a big, big upset of the year. Um, but yeah, I, I always enjoyed these two, and then the the future members of the group. Uh, for the most part, uh, there were there were some misses, but I always enjoyed this this group as a whole. Uh, so I'm going to discuss one of the related groups to the Space Croppers. Uh, long term, we'd find out that there was some tie-in between their two home planets, and uh, this is one of the groups that had a long-lasting impact on the GWF storylines, and that's the Flying Titans as they were originally known, later to become the Fighting Titans. Uh, but the first three Fighting Titans in the 2087 set were Lord Nexus, Pit Viper, and Pulsar. Nexus was the leader of the group. Uh, I was a, always a big fan of him, as I mentioned earlier. He was my first interplanetary champ. I loved his card. He was the only card of the 24 to have a minus four agility, the best rating you could have at the time. He, uh, his Just little things about his card, he had a drop kick off the top rope as a three move. And when Tom would have originally made this card, that was a pretty big spot in 1986. And even in 1995, when I started playing, or 94, 95, still a pretty cool move. And especially compared to some of the other moves in the first set of wrestlers, a really unique move. I loved rolling that and hitting a near fall or hitting the pin off of that. Uh, his primary finisher was the Titan Drop, which was a double zero finisher. The book describes it as a falling reverse power slam. Um, I pictured it as a Samoan drop, and that would become a move that everybody in the group would be associated with over time, or a lot of the guys would have it on their card as well. So just a, a cool thing from the group members. Pit Viper had the cool backstory to him that he was once uh, known as Dragon Fighter. We'd find that out later, but he wore a mask, and the mask was there not just as a character or gimmick, but it was because it was protecting scars that he incurred from their rivals, the uh, Society of Death. And um, he, so he, they had attacked him, scarred his face, and then he wore the mask. Um, Pit Viper was always an interesting character to me personally. He had a disqualification rating of six, which for a, a hero was a unique thing. I know Wolf had that. I believe Renegade might have been a six as well. Um, but he, uh, so he was a brawler, which was just a unique mix in this group of, of the Titans. Um, 
you know, not a big power guy by any means. He was a, more of an agile, smaller guy, but he could get in there and brawl. Uh, his finisher was called the Venom Blast. Uh, we've, it's described in the book as a deadly need of the softened area, severely painful and temporarily paralyzing. Um, not, wasn't quite sure what that was. And I, I was, I've been trying for the life of me to remember what I said it was in my fed, but I'm still, still trying to figure it out. But definitely a unique character. He would later unmask and become Dragon Master. And in a lot of ways, um, his Dragon Master cards that came later, um, I got into those a lot, just the, the style and the moveset that he had. And then we had Pulsar, we mentioned, uh, was affiliated with Beast Rider. That was a team that I never really did. Uh, but Pulsar was supposed to be the youngest member of the group at the time, uh, kind of portrayed as almost a rookie level wrestler. And by his stats, you could see that he had a pin of nine, six, which was the highest uh, for anybody in the, in the original set at this time. Uh, but he could pull off upsets for me. He did. He won the interplanetary title and I figured, oh, this will be a short reign. He'll lose it back, but he held on to it. And he held on so long that it was uh, at the time I started bringing in 2090 characters, and that's when he got his upgrade to Pulsar Prime. So it just was a natural transition to keep the belt on and use that Pulsar Prime card. And uh, he ended up having a 31 card reign for me between the two versions of Pulsar. Uh, I'd have to go back, but I know at the time that was the longest for any of my GWF title reigns. Um, and definitely had to be one of the, the longest, if not the longest of all time. But he had a, a, just a, a good babyface, young rookie babyface moveset. His finisher was the Whirlwind, which was a, an airplane spin. And through his different um, incarnations as Pulsar Prime and then later back to Pulsar, but with a darker edge, he always had that Whirlwind as, as part of his offense, uh, which I just thought that was kind of cool that he kept that move throughout his career. Uh, I always enjoyed the Titans. Um, I, I saw them as, a, as kind of a three-man, six-man team like uh, the Von Erich brothers or the Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes in the NWA when they were six-man champs and would fight teams like Ivan Koloff and the Powers of Pain and uh, some other teams as well. Uh, so I just liked that they were this three-man unit and they could, you kind of shifted as far as uh, who could be the tag team, who would be the singles wrestler. Um, it, it wasn't really pushed either way in the, in the original handbook as far as who made a better tag team combination. So I, I always enjoyed that about them. In the long term, some of the other Titans that would join the GWF uh, were, were great um, characters that, that I really enjoyed. Um, let's go to Chad. What are your thoughts on the, on the Titans? As I said before, you know, the Lord Nexus was my initial champion. I really enjoyed him and Pit Viper and Pulsar. They were a good, you know, I usually use them as the team or I would do that kind of uh, feud switching with, with them and Beast Rider and Renegade. And, you know, they ended up as kind of aligned in 2090. And I guess I just was ahead of my time or something in doing that early, but no, they were a fun team. I love their feud with the society death. We'll talk about in a little while. And um, I, they, they were a great group. I also love the drop kick off the top rope because yeah, at that time, Kurt Henning was doing this kind of weird one footed drop kick off the top rope in the AWA. And you didn't, you didn't see that, you know, sometimes moves like that. Oh, it's just a missile drop kick. Well, you, you, take those for granted because they've been popularized over the last 20 years, but back then it really wasn't. So good team. I enjoyed them. Chad, Tim, what are your thoughts on the Titans? Yeah. Like I said, you know, uh, along with massive Lord Nexus was probably my favorite uh, good guy in this. Set. 
really, really liked the group. Thought it was great that they had this this pre-made uh, kind of feud with the, the Society of Death, um, and and that that everybody matched up. As I think we we've talked about with each other, you know, not not all the other groups matched up with with feuding opponents, but these guys definitely did, and all you know they they had reasons to kind of wanted wanting to go after one another. I like the whole revenge thing with with Pit Viper and that he had this storyline and kind of backstory to him. It, it was cool to have uh, Pulsar out there as the uh, the young rookie that that would pretty much get beat on, but he did have that plus one whirlwind, which at that 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 stage was still something that could do some damage. Uh, so yeah, just a they're, they're just a great group. I mean, it, it was solid, and it became one of those groups that just kept you know restocking, and it, it just got better over time. They 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 were one of the the long time uh, babyface groups in the in the game, and, and just super trio to start things off. Thanks, Tim. Stu, what are your thoughts on the Titans? I liked the Titans originally. They, they weren't, uh, uh, FD, I was more fond of the FDF. Over time, the Titans became my favorite baby face group. And again, as I play Chrono style, Lord Nexus became one of my all time favorite characters. And and same with eventually Dragon Master, because uh, he, he was a steamboat guy to me. Uh, but for whatever reason, I, I didn't take to them in 2087. I, I, the artwork was strong. They were fun. They, I, it was a, I had fun with the Kraken Nexus feud and did a few terrible angles out of that, which, again, I'll elaborate on more later. Uh, but they, I just the FDF was what I was definitely all about with 2087. I, I like the Titans, but uh, my, my fondness for them only grew stronger as the years went on. All right, so that kind of wraps up the hero side of things for 2087. Now we're going to go over to the, the villain side. And as I said, Tom made an even split of heroes and villains, 12 on each side. So we'll kind of go through the, the villain roster here. Um, Tim's going to talk about the top villain, Thantos, as well as his top allies. So Tim, take it away. So Thantos, the, the dreaded evil games master, evil incarnate, uh, was the, the top bad guy, the top villain in the, uh, the game. He, uh, he was the one that, that broke the Galaxian code of going out and fighting with honor and, and doing everything right. And uh, he's, he's the one that kind of uh, uh, became the, the, uh, the leader of the bad guy group and, and recruited a bunch of the other people to that, that side along with him. And uh had a great finisher, had the best finisher in the game is the plus four master lock, which was a version of the figure four leg lock. Um, just a fantastic, horrible, devious person. Uh, had a probably the best artwork in the in the first set. Had the skull on in the middle of his forehead. He's got the scar down his face. I mean, you could tell it. This was not going to be your your headline good guy. Uh, you know, when you see the card, it's just a great drawing. Uh, Chuck Carter did a fantastic job on it. Um, and then, then he's got two guys with him. So you got Comrade Terror, who's in the book called The Space Terrorist, uh, and The Executioner, The Medieval Headsman. 
comrade terrors, this, this big lizard looking guy, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, alien that, that was one of the right hand man, men in for, for, uh, for Thantos and his group, uh, had a huge feud with commander Sam that, that was supposedly one of the most intense in the fed. And, uh, uh, and then you've got you've got the executioner and uh, another time traveler from Earth who was uh, an executioner back in, in the Dark Ages, uh, had the axe on his card. So I thought and he, he's got the, the hood, uh, legitimately got a, a hood. Uh, and I mean, he, he just looked very intimidating, um, had a feud with Wolf. He was one of the few guys in the Fed that wasn't afraid of Wolf. So he would just go right at him. I, I thought that was uh just a great pairing. Um, they weren't the henchmen yet, although I loved them as the henchmen. Uh, they, they, they weren't the henchmen yet. And it's funny when you look at the, the alliances and the feud uh, that came with the, the game, Thantos is, is allied with both of them, but, but they're not allied with each other. Uh, so I thought that was kind of unique. And then later on, though, they, they became the henchmen and, and became a tag team. As we talked about with a couple of the guys on the uh, on the, the babyface side, the executioner, because he was a time traveler from Earth, also kind of paired up with uh, Genghis Khan uh, from the Society of Death, who was also a time traveler from Earth. So this was kind of a common theme. We had four of them in the first set, um, but I just thought it was it was really cool. I, I I you know just just kind of going back and looking at things, I you, you kind of had the the Master Lock is the figure four. The uh, uh, Comrade Terror had the Atomic Warhead, which was Pile Driver. And Tom had that the, the Executioner had a uh, the, the Headsman Guillotine, which was a slingshot from the top turnbuckle. Uh, and, and I guess I never quite understood what this whole slingshot thing was. I was thinking it was a clothesline, but then he's also got the Headsman's clothesline on the card. So I wasn't quite sure exactly what was going on there. Um, but anyway, that's what I used it as. Um, but, uh, but just a great headline bad guy group. Uh, again, different, different personalities. But boy, what a, what a trio of evil you had, uh, you had right there. I'd forgotten until you mentioned that, Tim, how each of uh, Terror and Executioner were allies of Thantos, but not necessarily with each other. So great, great comment there. Chad, what are your thoughts on these three villains? So I think back then, Tom used slingshot and clothesline a little interchangeably. And I remembered an early Galacticon, we were talking about that and somebody said they thought they did like the, the bump where Kurt Henning would, somebody would grab him by the feet and fall back. But the, the guy was on the top rope and executioner did that. I'm like, I really don't think that's physically possible. Um, that, that would have been amazing for 1986. <laughs> exactly, very innovative. That'd be. And, and he was a plus three agility, so that would have been really, really right, wild. right. And in the uh, interview that Mark Ashby did with Tom, that I have a have an audio cassette around here that we're gonna get transposed and, and uh, make a file of. We'll play down the road. Tom talks about how originally Executioner he had the hood, but it was just falling it wasn't tight to his neck like an actual um you know how it looks like on his card and and tom told chuck carter that's like you got to draw something otherwise somebody's gonna just pull that thing right off you know um 
But yeah, I, I thought those were all great guys. Thantos, um, I've been ridiculed for this. I always pictured him as like kind of having red skin. I don't know if it was the whole devil thing or whatever. And Comrade Terror, I know Stu is very fond of aliens that are green, but I actually thought Comrade Terror was red as well. I don't know why why I was into maroon colored aliens. Um, and yeah, Executioner, I, I thought was cool. And I actually did that side team with, Genghis Khan a lot too and I believe I called them the time bandits and they were actually a pretty successful team for me and had a lot of fun with those guys but you know great kind of lead heel uh group there I actually thought thought Comrade Terror was red too only because of the allusion to to you know Russian with the comrade so I I, I kind of imagined them kind of like a Gila monster and 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 kind of a reddish like a dark reddish uh, myself so I was a little surprised when the colorized versions came out and he was green. It just didn't quite fit my uh, my imagination. And maybe it was your influence, Chad, but I always kind of thought Thantos had some red skin or at least the, the scarred part of his face, almost like Two-Face from Batman, <laughs> just kind of a, a different uh, um, skin tone there. But uh, Stu, your thoughts on these three? First of all, Comrade Terror was always green, and all green aliens have paled in comparison to Comrade Terror down the road. Let's just get that established. Uh, Dantos was an all-time favorite of mine, still is a multi-time GWF champion. Uh, the Ric Flair for me of those early years, I even imagined him as kind of a methodical Flair-like like wrestler in the ring. Love the feud with Star Warrior. Love the feud for me he had with Wolf. And that's one of Wolf's more interesting feuds for me uh, that he had with, with Thantos. And occasionally I will revive that because um, there was just a lot of heat between those two. That was, there was more heat for me in Wolf Thantos than there was with Wolf Mayhem for whatever reason. And those two had some classic battles. Executioner, I never got into for some odd reason, uh, either as a tag competitor or as a singles competitor. It just didn't do it for me, but you know, that's it's up to you, promoter, and we all push our favorites. And he just wasn't one for me. Comrade Terror became a, a, a big time favorite for me, and that feud with Sam, Commander Sam, is, is still one of my most intense, one of my all time great feuds in terms of who I've. Uh, feuds that I've been fond of over the years. That was a fantastic feud. A lot of heat from the very first time they locked up. So very fond of all three. Yeah, I've got some good memories of these three as well. And again, with the playing the classic sets before 2087, Santos um, had a long history in my Fed, multi-time Galaxian champ, uh, won his first title um, kind of in the transition period between 2086 and 87, where he beat Omega's 2079 card. So it was kind of the passing of the torch. Uh, Executioner I used is uh, Marcel Desaad from the 2086 without the mask. I, I liked how Tom wrote in the classic set that he added the mask as sort of protection from the Savage Face Claw. I just thought that was a nice touch and it wasn't it was acknowledged this was the same guy. It wasn't as if he left the territory and then came back under a mask or anything like that. As far as the Hesman guillotine and the, the clothesline, um, I always pictured the, the finisher being off the top turnbuckle and then the, uh, the other clothesline just being kind of a running clothesline, kind of like you would later use for the backside beheading as whiplash. Um, 
And uh, Comrade Terror, yeah, I had some great memories of him, especially later when he when he went through the Transvolver and became Dreadnought. Uh, was a great had a great run for me. And uh, the two together, Terror and Executioner, I would team as the henchmen. And then they did the split. Um, I think it was twenty ninety or ninety one. No, Chad, saying say no to me. Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And um, that was. Um, had a villain feud where you had um, Terror and Tong Soon feuding with uh, Executioner and was it Pit Viper? No. Death Knight. Death Knight. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, and I did that. They were tag champs in my fed when that happened. So I did a split uh, where each guy got to choose a partner and then, and then fight for the belts uh, just because that was not, you know, something that, came up too often with the way the dice roll. So a lot of, a lot of good memories about these three villains. Um, Stu's going to discuss next uh, the group that was known as the evil ones, as well as vanity and uh, talk about them and uh, how they did for him and his memories. Go ahead, Stu. Well, mentioned uh, the evil ones were eventually became known as the Royal court. They, they were, they consisted of Exo King Queen and if Pete Beck is out there, Death Knight, baby. Uh, they were, did they all get robotic implants? No, no, let me back. Yeah, they did. Okay. Because, uh, uh, and Exo King being the leader had the robotic implants in his arms to help him compete more favorably with strongman Massive. Exo King was the pseudo leader of the group, or he was the leader of the group. And like I said, he was my first GWF champion. I always liked Exo King. I, I thought he was a rather underrated character in those early years. Had a lot of fun with him and his feud with Massive, Massive and uh, Star Warrior uh, were great feuds for me. He and Star Warrior, you know, it's funny. I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember as clear as day, a Falls Count Anywhere match he had with Star Warrior for me that was just a blast and went at least a half hour real time and just had so many twists and turns. I remember that match like it was yesterday. It was phenomenal. Uh, Exo King had the implants in his arms. You had Killer Queen, who is an all-time favorite of mine. He was... Uh, he had the checkmate finisher, which was a Boston crab, which I believe his robotic legs, he had implants in his legs to help make that a, a very strong finishing move. Killer Queen, uh, eventually, well, more on that in a second. Killer Queen was just a fun, fun character. I still use him today. If I ever catch up on the discussion board with where I am in my actual game playing, he's my current interplanetary champion. And uh, just a fun character uh, in so many ways. Um, kind of a futuristic, gorgeous George, if you will. Uh, love Killer Queen, still do. Death Knight, I never got into. Pete, if you're listening, don't know why you did either. But he was, he was a fun character, I guess. Uh, the lovable, uh, I won't call him a loser, but uh, lower card wrestler for the evil ones uh, who eventually morphed into something a little stronger as Death Mask uh, when Darkos got a hold of him. Uh, he had the, 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 ma no, no, his first finisher was not the mask that would solidify that he could do the headbutt with the lance, cosmic lance or something like that, if memory serves. Just a fun trio of, of 
mid to upper card bad guys you could do a lot with. And again, Exo King became a favorite of mine over the years and still bring him back in the Fed from time to time. Now, Vanity is an all-time favorite. Vanity looked like Flair and couldn't wrestle a lick. He was he was really an undercard wrestler, but he had a phenomenal card. And, and I remember Chad saying one time, you know, before you understood what the stats were, you flip the card over, and you're and you when you finally understood what you were looking at stats wise, you're a little disappointed because Vanity's art was so great. In fact, it, he was originally with the uh, he was originally from the with the uh, Space Croppers, I think, is it uh, part of that whole Neptune team as the Natural Man. And Killer Queen talked him into becoming a, a bad guy eventually. And eventually those two uh, teamed together as the team Flamboyance, I believe. And they were, that was a really fun tag team. Uh, Vanity and Killer Queen, again, I will pair those up, uh, those two guys up uh, in my Fed from time to time. That was a great tag team. Vanity oozed attitude. It's a great drawing. Had a fun fuse with him uh, over Sweet Thing later on down the road. But what I eventually did is I like Vanity so much that I upgraded his stats on my own. And I, I kind of remember what I did. I can't find find my handwritten notes on it. I kind of remember what I did and uh, have used those lately with Vanity having a little run in my GWF. And it's been a lot of fun having a a decent wrestler uh, vanity as a decent wrestler in my fed but a lot of fun all four, all four of those guys were a blast uh, to use and uh, i still use them today i'm fond of those characters awesome Stu. chad what are your thoughts on the evil ones and vanity yeah like Stu, i had a lot of good luck with exo king initially he really had a great feud with star warrior and he was a pretty strong card back then. Um, I'm going to skip and, and pair up Queen and Vanity together because they had a fantastic tag feud with the Greek gods for me over my belts. You know, because you had two double zero finishers and a plus one versus two double zero, zero finishers and a plus one. And they just go back and forth. And it was uh, a tremendous feud. Death Knight, you know, was sent to go after Omega. And, you know, I did that. I also had him feud with Pulsar and... Uh, an, a very agile wrestler versus a very not agile wrestler. And, you know, I, I, I liked Death Knight and I liked it when it be, they became the Royal Court. Um, but definitely Vanity out of that crew is, is probably my favorite. But I really liked all of them. You know, they were, they were fun, fun wrestlers, tremendous artwork, and kind of the same thing with Vanity with uh, Death Knight. You flip the card over and you're like, oh, <laughs> And uh, his his stats did not uh, complement his artwork as well, but that artwork is really what got him over. So they were definitely a fun group and, and great early characters. Chad, am I remembering that Death Knight had a good Galaxian title run for you? Yeah, it, became, it was like a honky-tonk man thing where I would use that ringside ally rule and one of the other... Uh, evil ones would get him like DQ'd and stuff, and it was just ridiculous. But yeah, he held the belt for a while and really had no business doing that. And it might have been at the point where Invasion came in, so then you had the outside interference chart as well, and that you know definitely boosted things. Um, you know, just talk about how Tim would probably agree with me how one chart. 
that pin save and outside interference just totally changed the complexion and mechanics of the game and just blew it wide open um, and, and really made things just more realistic. That's awesome. You got to love things like that when they happen with the dice. Uh, Tim, what are your memories of these guys? You know, I, I always liked them. I thought they were a good group. I think initially, instead of having the, the court theme, it was really more of a chess theme. Uh, that, that was Tom's original kind of concept to it. Because um, when you looked, you had the king, the knight, the queen, uh, and then you had the bishop coming in you know, down the road um, before it kind of morphed into the, the whole court uh, theme. But I, you know, I thought they were they were really good. I really liked that that Killer Queen and Vanity tag team. They were one of my favorites to use. Um, I always felt like Vanity kind of got hung out to dry in that first set because he was kind of the loner going going against uh, uh, um, Renegade and, and Beast Rider. Uh, I, I was kind of happy when when Creeper came along to kind of even that out without having to you know go into a dig into uh, you know the evil ones to to pull Queen out. But um, I liked Exo King a lot. I thought he was really good. He had a lot of success for me. I, I got to say, I absolutely loved the artwork for Death Knight uh, and was very disappointed uh, that, that his stats were just so bad. Um, but I, I mean, it, was, it works out. You know, his robotic implants apparently didn't, didn't go so well. Maybe he was the guinea pig for the whole thing. But, uh, but I really liked the group. I thought they were a lot of fun. And uh, I, I, I probably did a lot of matches between Omega and Death Knight just because they were pretty e evenly matched. And I, I, that, that was a, a good little feud for me, too. Um, but, yeah, just a good, good group overall. Vanity, you know, uh, definitely was more of a player for me than uh, he probably deserved to be based on stats. But I think that was pretty common amongst all the, uh, the promoters at the time. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Yeah, I have some great memories of these guys. Exo King in particular, I really loved it. You know, even though his later cards would be stronger overall, at least as far as the finishers, um, I just love this card. You know, I liked that he was the evil giant counterpart to Math. You, you know, I think of like an Andre the Giant, Big John Stud feud. Um, just, just a, a cool card. He did well for me. Got some big wins. Um, I always remember a feud with him and Battering Ram. Battering Ram's original. Uh, 2088 card and I think eventually that was an official feud in, in Seth but I would just pair them up and they just had these awesome fire matches it was just like Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko I mean just classic long back and forth high pin ratings just insane um, that was just kind of built their feud was just built around good tough matches and uh, Killer Queen loved this original card loved the checkmate and I just liked how Tom incorporated the robotic parts giving him that added uh, boost to the to the finisher just a cool thing i liked how he was kind of the adrian street adrian adonis um you know and, and it, at the time i used him gold dust was a new character so you know worked out for me time wise uh, i always enjoyed him he had some he scored wins on star warriors original card twice and so they had this little mini feud for me based on that just a little upset there um Sorry, Pete. I did not. I was not a Death Knight fan initially. Um, loved the artwork too, like everybody else has said. But just, I think something about picturing this guy in a in a knight's metal mask. You know, how does he wrestle with that? Um, but I did. I did become 
a fan of death mask, even though he's got the, the mask with the horns on it. And, you know, there were some things you could question there, but uh, I did, I did eventually turn, turn, uh, turn around on, on death Knight, death mask and vanity, huge fan of vanity uh, kind of sound like a gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Um, you know, love the various feuds he'd have with mid to lower card guys over the years. Um, Adam Blast, U.S. Patriot, um, obviously his former allies in the Space Croppers. Um, just a big, a big fan of his of his card and his character. All right, I'm going to talk about um, one of the top tag teams from this initial set, and they would definitely long term have some huge impact on GWF storylines for their their group and their, their race, and that's Brute Massacre, the gladiators of Aethra. Um, you look at the drawings, and, and keeping in mind the time frame, these were definitely influenced by Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, and other powerhouse painted teams of the 80s. Um, and I, I love them, um, even though they were, they were villains, I would often match them up against anybody, kind of like the Road Warriors did eventually, after they were supposed to be heels, but the fans just loved them. Um, so they just fight anybody pretty much. Uh, you had Brute, who was the third guy in the game with uh, minus four power after Massif and Exo King. Um, just, a, just a big powerhouse. I love the drawing. And you could see that he was this huge, huge brick of a man. <laughs> and then uh, Massacre, kind of more the brains of the group. Um, you know, power, but also some agility there. I definitely picture his style similar to Road Warrior Hawk, where he was powerful, but could fly a little bit, you know, get, get, get some air. Um, a little thing, but I just always loved that Massacre had two separate finishers, and he was the only guy in this, in this set to do that. They were both zero finishers, but just, just the fact that he had two finishers that, in a sense, worked equally well. You know, both zeros, same finisher rating. Um, both he and Brute did the decapitator, which Tom described as a, um, that he would prop the opponent against the ropes and then run the full course of the ring with a deadly clothesline. Um, I usually just said they kind of did it like the Road Warriors where it was off the top rope and uh, for Brute maybe off the second rope since he was bigger, but eventually, you know, I would change that to the, the doomsday device in tag matches. And then Massacre's other move was the, uh, the Massacre Slam, which was a running power slam. And again, just, just cool that you had this one guy with two, two finishers like that. Um, again, I, I used these cards before anybody else in the 2087 set because I was tying them in with the, the classic set and brought them in to team up with 2086 Wolf and do a, a three-man team. Um, so I, I had some great matchups against those classic characters. Um, they were tag champs for much of that, that time frame before fully transitioning into 2087. And uh, again, just a group that over time, you know, obviously more members would come in and they'd have a huge impact on the GWF as a whole. Uh, so just really a really cool, really interesting team. Uh, Stu, what are your thoughts on the Gladiators? First of all, Massacre looked like J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man. So I, I, always had, I always had that working for me, but uh, I liked them. I, I liked the original Gladiators plus a couple more or I'd put them in my faves, uh, Bruton Massacre. They were my all time record holders in terms of most title reigns in my GWF history. And I believe that is still the case. They were a tough out and they had some classic, classic battles eventually. Well, first of all, with the Greek gods for me, and then eventually with the, uh, with uh, battering ram and badger 
um, just some fantastic battles down the road. Fun pairing. Yes, they came along with the Road Warriors. But oddly enough, I wasn't a huge Road Warriors mark. I don't I don't know why. Uh, they just didn't do it as much for me. I didn't dislike them. I just was somewhat ambivalent towards them. But I did like Brute and Massacre for what they were. And uh, Brute, I even gave a little singles push to at one, one particular time. Um, so I was interested in him probably more so. Although Massacre, I've done some singles things with later on down the road. So, and again, great drawings, great drawings. Tim, what do you think about the Gladiators? Yeah, they had a lot of success for me as well. I, I saw them in, in that Road Warrior vein. Uh, I, I, I got the J. Jonah Jameson thing going too, um, but I, I thought Massacre definitely had so much character between uh, between the Mohawk. He had that that like Adolf Hitler mustache thing going, that little, you know, uh, thing. And then he had the cigar. And I just thought he had a ton of character on, on his card. Um, and, and then, you you know, when, when you got to the stats, I mean, the stats were just phenomenal for these guys. They, they really fit well as a team. Um, and yeah, just, they, they were just phenomenal. Um, great, great fun, uh, matched up against everybody. I would kind of have them as kind of a, not a tweener uh, per se, but more as a we'll fight anybody uh, kind of team, just because they were supposedly from this warmongering type planet. Uh, so I figured that Thantos would have a tough time kind of getting after them and, and controlling them. And so um, I, I pretty much had them as, as guys that generally would face the, the good guys, but every now and then they, they weren't afraid to go after somebody else if they got if they got their dander up. So, um, but yeah, great group, just a, a great, a great team. I like, like Corey said, you know, it was kind of cool that, that you always had these uh, similar moves with the decapitator and the gladiator pile driver. And for the eighth, the, you know, hundred atherins that, that followed uh, they, they all had some version of those moves on their card, which I always thought was, was kind of cool that this was kind of something that just kept going. Um, so yeah, yeah, really, really, really cool team and, and, uh, got, got, uh, had a lot of fun with these guys. Ed, you were a big fan of the road warriors. Uh, what, what do you think about the gladiators? Yeah. I mean, I like the gladiators. I was still a bigger Greek gods fan. Um, but you know, any team like the road warriors or the powers of pain are instantly going to get over with me. Um, you know, it's funny because they were so su- they had such good singles cards because there wasn't tag finishers then i remember lots of people also giving them singles pushes um you know our good friend mark ashby he had um a phenomenal run with massacre as his singles champ like multiple times singles champ and brute and spike were his tag team of the gladiators and i remember other people too when spike came out you know, switch to Brute and Spike because, you know, when you look at it, you got a plus two and a plus three finisher. I mean, that's, that's big stuff back then. And, you know, it wasn't until that the um, Gladiators got their cleansing in 2090 that they really solidified them as the team from the Gladiators team and, and made, you know, then of course the next set Spike got his um, upgrade too. Uh, but back, you know, once Spike came in in 2088, 
that kind of almost made him like a free bird type unit where there was switching him around and you might have different guys as a singles guy. And I certainly had that, you know, in my fed too, but um, yeah, they were a great team, but they're always second place to the Greek gods for me. As well, they should be. All right. Our last uh, group of villains here is uh, the infamous society of death. And uh, Chad's going to start the conversation on these three villains. Go ahead, Chad. So, you know, I've said this about pretty much everybody in this set, but I'd love the Society of Death. I mean, they were just so much fun and, you know, Kraken, he had that, those bumps on his head and, and those trunks. And he reminded me at that point, there was a video game on Nintendo um, and there was a guy called Karnov and I barely remember what the game was even about, but he would like, he was this bald dude and he breathed fire or something. And so you know, and, and that feud with Nexus and, and Kraken was fantastic. The whole, you know, six man feud with those guys was, was just off the charts mutant. I mean, how could you not love him? He was just ridiculous looking. And then I really love Genghis Khan. He kind of, to me, he kind you know, he visually, he kind of looked like Bruiser Brody, even though he had a different kind of move set, but just this wild brawler guy. And like I said earlier, I had a success team in executioner up with, um, Genghis Khan and, and they made a great you know side tag team um, and you know Society and Death and Flying Titans you didn't have real high finisher ratings so those matches could just go all over the place and right now I've been doing um, sporadically like I haven't done this in about three or four months but kind of playing out some of my early GWF cards with putting the Duke of Destruction and Red Talon in there and just kind of inserting them in the cards. So I'm not running any title matches or anything. So I'm not going to skew my title history, but it's just adding some stuff to the undercard. And right now, um, uh, a few to start with Exo King and Duke of Destruction against um, Khan and Invincible, Invincible Kraken. And it's just this really kind of cool feud. It, it, I had a tournament and it kind of spun out of there. And, you know, eventually Duke is going to, um, you know, leave the evil ones and, and battle Exo King. So I don't know if I'm going to do some turn. And I think Tim had kind of done this when he was doing a replay, maybe align Duke with the Society of Death or something and, um, you know, see where that goes before Duke rides off into the sunset. Um, but yeah, Society of Death is a fun team and I mean, what's not to love about those guys? They were, they were so not, they didn't fit, you know, each other. They were, but they were just this gang of misfits and, and, you know, and then you had splatter to the mix in 2088. And it's like, oh my gosh, what more do you need? I like, I like the description of misfits. That's very fitting for them. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Stu, Society of Death Memories. Kraken had a great feud for me with Thantos. I always had those two vying for the leadership of the villain team. And that might have been suggested by Tom, so I don't know if I was that brilliant or not. Uh, but I, it, it was a great heel versus heel feud for me. Always loved Kraken. He immediately reminded me of the Iron Sheik. I don't know why, probably the stash. Uh, and, and the Kraken Nexus feud, as I mentioned earlier, is another favorite of mine that that feud <laughs> that feud continues on the titans versus whatever you want to call them society of death of the cta 102 people or whatever the hitmen 
that feud continues on for me. I, I bring it back again and again and again, and it never gets tiring. Uh, Genghis Khan, I didn't do a whole lot with, but now that Chad was talking about him, I think I should. So he has rekindled my interest with old Genghis. So uh, I'll be bringing him back. Maybe and- you should team him with Executioner. I'll get Executioner over for you too. <laughs> Bring in the Time Bandits. Agreed. <laughs> Bring him in, Stuart. I know. Hey, I'm down with that. I'm the totally down. Have spoken. With that. <laughs> I- I'd be open to that. Maybe I need to reconsider that. But the Society of Death were—they were misfits. They didn't necessarily fit together, but they were. They were a lot of fun and certainly rounded out the card. And, and Kraken, Kraken had some good runs for me. He's won the GWF title. So he's, he's been a top contender over the years. Awesome. Great. Uh, Tim. You know, I, I always liked them too. I, 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 since we're talking about who, who Kraken reminded us of, he always reminded me of Bald Bull from the old uh, Punch-Out video game. Um, but I, I always thought it was, was really interesting that he and Nexus kind of had the, the same tights. Um, you know, they were wearing the same, same trunks and I never quite figured out, I, I, I figured there was going to be some backstory to that. I don't know if there was, uh, you know, the leader of the group from CTA 102 in, in Titan, uh, the, you know, maybe the war was over who gets to wear the tights. Um, but, uh. I always thought that they were a good group. I really liked Mutant just because he had a DQ of seven. Um, so, I mean, that was just outrageous back then. Um, and he just looked freaky. Um, and and just the team with Khan, who was kind of the tag team specialist of the group. And uh, just, just, a, 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 just a lot of fun. And yeah, when I, like Chad alluded to, when I kind of went back and was playing a little bit with the, uh, the new Duke of Destruction, um, since it seemed like he and Exo King were kind of vying for uh, control of the evil ones and Kraken and Antos were vying for control of the, the whole villain camp, I, I thought it might be kind of cool to, to align Kraken and, and, and the Duke and uh, kind of behind the scenes just to kind of see what would happen. Um, but yeah, just, just really cool. They, they, they matched up really well with the, uh, with the Titans. I, I thought they, they, they were just a phenomenal uh, trio. Hey, so I want to jump in too. I, I remember that thing about them having the similar tights also. So, so do I. So do and, I definitely and, remember that. And I was like, well, maybe they have different colored stripes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's all, that's all I, 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 that would, I would envision that. But I always wondered if there was some, some kind of backstory to that. Maybe that started a feud like two women wearing the same dress to a wedding or something. <laughs> I think one was white with black stripes and one was black with white stripes. I'm not sure, go. but there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that was a little odd that here, here are your two, uh, you know, hated opponents and they're wearing the this the same trunks so. yeah <laughs> i mean if there's not a feud over this already there should be here and i'm going to share my screen really quick which doesn't help the people at listening out in podcast land but i'm going to show you guys what Karnov looks like so you see i was, I was trying to google him tip chad <laughs> yeah no see, oh, I, yeah. I see it remember yeah. that game absolutely yes yeah. i do but i forgot about him breathing the breathing fire part i might have to do a thing now where Kraken like throws fire. Sweet. <laughs> and I do think, you know, 
at, at Galacticon, it was always funny hearing how people would pronounce names yeah. and, and, and Kraken was the most, it was Kraken, 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 I remember. And Kraken. Kraken. And one year after Galacticon got over, uh, Pete Beck was hanging around. So Pete and Tim and I went to the Jamestown uh, Cinemaplex and went and saw, I don't know if it was the first Pirates of the Caribbean, the second one, and the two kind of underlings in that movie were arguing over how you pronounced Kraken, the, the giant squid. And they start arguing and Tim and, and Pete and I are just laughing uproariously <laughs> about this whole thing, because it's like, we just heard this conversation, you know, earlier in the day at Galacticon. So awesome. <laughs> we, we definitely got a lot more out of that than anybody else in the theater. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people probably <laughs> thought we were high or drunk or something the way we were <laughs> carrying on, which I don't think we were, but no. <laughs> we were high on life. We had there that Galacticon feeling. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So the society of death for me, uh, Kraken in particular was always a character. I love one of my top villains, um, did well, um, held the three main singles titles, Galaxian, Interplanetary and, and Heavy Metal. Um, just, I love that falling face slam finisher. I just thought it was, um, you know, not a movie you, you see a lot or even saw a lot back then from, you know, different wrestlers. I mean, guys did it obviously, but I just thought it was just something that this, you know, evil dictator leader, he's just going to slam your face into the mat and come, you know, come off the top turnbuckle, just do what he can to just smash up your face. Um, I just always thought that was such a fitting move for him. Um, picture wise, you know, telling who he looks like. I think of hard boiled Haggerty, the professional wrestler from the AWA later became uh, for a lot of people more famous in Hollywood, a character actor. Uh, If you look, look him up, his later years with uh, the full shaved head and, and the mustache. Uh, that's, uh, you know, um, never saw a hard-boiled hag he actually wrestle, so I have no idea if there's any similarities in the, in the style. Uh, but no, always into Kraken, and then when he later became uh, the manager of the Hitman group, um, just thought he was just a cool, tough manager, just this kind of old, grizzled vet at that time who would yell at guys and, and swing guns around, and um, always, always enjoyed him. Mutant was always a uh, an underdog favorite of mine. Um, again, like Tim mentioned, the seven disqualification rating, only one in that first set to have that. And, you know, um, Tim really, or sorry, Tom really tried to limit guys having that over the years. You know, you had Mayhem and um, uh, Doomsday Creature, and I know there were others, uh, one of the Draconian Chic versions, but he really tried to make that a, a rarity that, that guys would have a DQ of seven. Uh, and now I don't think any COTG characters have that anymore. That's kind of kind of faded away a little bit maybe, or maybe certain situations. Uh, I know Legends, we don't we don't really do that. We set six as the highest. So um, but yeah, you had Mutant just this just this you know brawler. Um, you know, the temple grinder as his finisher, which for a guy of his limited wrestling abilities is just a perfect submission move to have. Um, mutant long term for me, we just do a lot of things here and there. Um, jumping ahead many years to when Dreadnought was uh, in his dying years, literally, where he could he could die in a match for you. Mutant was the one who killed him for me. Um, and he and uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that on the bad storylines episode. But uh, 
but yeah, just a, just a character that was just a lot of fun. Um, and I think it was Stu that mentioned Genghis Khan. I, I too didn't get into him as much. I think something about the drawing, you know, I understood he was this time traveler and, and supposed to be this Mongolian warlord. Um, but I, I think something about that picture, I just couldn't quite picture him being a, uh, an, an exciting wrestler, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, he did he did some good things for me. Uh, the the team with Mitsuku later on was uh, was one of my favorites, uh, as far as like kind of a mid to lower card tag team. I think they were my interplanetary tag champs um, for a, for a while there and had some good feuds. But initially, I was not not into Khan that much. So um well we're kind of starting to wrap up here but i know chad wanted to take a couple minutes and give some shout outs to some uh, fellow promoters so go ahead chad yes first of all we want to give a shout out to sam fain and his king of pro wrestling podcast he's tiger samurai on the boards um we've had some good discussions with sam over the past week or so um we're gonna the legends team is gonna show up on on his podcast and and Corey and i taped some audio with him last night that we'll be doing for a special episode down the road and it's just been a lot of fun talking wrestling with him and and wrestling books and just finding out a lot of commonalities so yeah thank thanks sam for having us on and i don't know tim's audio was acting weird that night so tim was only commenting through the chat but <laughs> uh so uh we'll we'll get on there again sometime and and all four of us will be able to visit and then uh just a shout out to mike and todd you know the kind of the the what do I want to say managers for Phil Singer games and all their hard work. We really appreciate it. You know, they've been a big help helping gathering photo uh, references for the next legend set. And um, you know, we, we really appreciate everything they do. Um, and so thank you, Mike and Todd. And I want to give a shout out to Pike Mojo um, because, you know, we've mentioned him the last two times, so we don't want to hurt his feelings and leave him off this podcast. So, um, but Pete Peck got a lot of airtime. Yeah. He might've slipped us some money. You know, if, if you want to, if you want to shout out, just throw us some cash. We'll, we'll say your name on the air. Um, I did want to shout out to Zeke too. Cause uh, Zeke or v Vegas on the boards. He uh, put up a thing about some virtual signings that you can send your cards away. So check that out. It looks pretty cool. Awesome. Um, you get the the dream team can sign your cards in December and a whole litany of legends cards uh, in in the future. Could you can get some signings on them? Including so, the powers of pain are going to be there too. So are oh, they? The powers of pain are going to be there. Oh they my are. gosh, I'd love to yeah, get my powers, powers of pain. pain card. That oh, awesome. that would be fantastic. Get the powers of pain to sign your powers of pain card. Yeah. Um, just a little preview for next week. Um, we're gonna do a review of some of the first let newsletters that Tom published back in 87 into 88. So there'll be four issues that we're going to look at. Um, I have those posted, you know, Google drive, there's a link somewhere in the boards, but um, we'll also kind of make a, a archive of some of this stuff and, and link to it in our podcast link on the boards too. So if you haven't checked those out um, you can do that as you listen or do your homework in advance. So uh, that's all I have. So um, on behalf of me, everybody stay safe, keep your masks up, you know, um, it's a crazy time out there. So I hope everybody's mm -hmm. doing yes, well. It is. I'll hand it back to, to Corey and Stu and Tim so they can say their goodbyes. Tim and Sue, Tim, any, any closing comments? Just uh, have a, have a good, have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, appreciate everybody paying some attention to us. Uh, normally it's just 
the four of us uh, shooting the breeze here, and it's nice to know that uh, some some people actually find it interesting. Uh, <laughs> so uh, 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 take care, stay safe, and we'll we'll be back uh, back again soon. Stu, any closing comments? I'll echo what Tim said. Appreciate everybody listening. And hey, Pete, good night, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll just give, you know, shout outs again to Sam. It was great talking to you twice the last week. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Mike and Todd, thanks for putting up with us. No, thanks for directing us and uh, uh, keeping the, the Legends team on track. Uh, this is going to be a really fun set, you guys. I think, I think you're going to like it. And um, we got some more big names to, to announce for this set. And uh, Look forward to seeing people's reaction to those. Um, but yeah, everybody stay safe out there. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for downloading.